Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and brutalize and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh, a few weeks back, we had on the podcast three of the authors from our recently released anthology of speculative fiction, uh, all touching on the future of work. Uh, and that anthology is called Working Futures. Uh, you can find it on Amazon by searching for Working Futures, or you can go to our website for it, which is Working Futures. Uh, that's the uh, .es, Working Future. Dot .es, just write working futures and move the dot over two spots and you should be able to find it. Um, but go to Amazon and search for it. You should be able to find it there. Anyways, today we've got three more of the authors from the collection. Uh, and in case you missed that last episode, uh, over the last few years, we put together this project to try and combine scenario planning and science fiction writing to explore what the future of work might really look like. Uh, we felt that most of the discussions on the future of work were uh, not that insightful and not that useful. And we wanted to see what would happen if we uh, combined scenario planning and science fiction. And to do that, we used a sort of special custom-made card deck uh, and process, scenario planning process, and we held an event uh, in San Francisco to think through the different scenarios. And out of that, we came up with a packet of 10 different scenarios that all touched on the future of work. And we gave those out to uh, to a variety of different authors. And then in the end, uh, they submitted a bunch of stories and we ended up publishing 14 wonderful stories. So today on the podcast, we have uh, three of the authors who contributed to that collection. We have Andrew Dana Hudson, Natalka Roshak, who publishes under the name NRM Roshak. Uh, and Randy Lubin, uh, and also myself, since I've got a couple of stories in the book as well. Um, the uh, benefit of being the editor, I get to sneak those in. <laughs> We're going to talk to each of them. We're going to talk about each of their stories and the process that they went through in terms of creating the stories, uh, and then we'll have sort of more of an open conversation about this project and about science fiction and uh, a variety of different things. We'll see where it goes, as always, with this podcast. So, uh, Andrew, we're going to start with you. Uh, I know that you're deeply involved in the idea of, of using science fiction to, to think about and to impact policy. So uh, if you could just introduce yourself and, and maybe give a little bit of background about who you are and how you got involved in this project. Yeah, um, I'm Andrew Dana Hudson. Uh, I've been writing science fiction pretty regularly for a few years now, um, and uh, I, I'm a graduate researcher at Arizona State University, where I work at something called the Center for Science and the Imagination. And for the last year and change, I've been working on a project called AI Policy Futures, which is, you know, in many ways very similar to uh, the Working Futures project that you all did. And that has, you know, been about sort of exploring the, the narratives we tell about uh, the future of AI and what this technology or this mythology means to us and what are the, the actual uh, conundrums kind of arising from the policymaking space about this, this uh, industry and the technology and, and where are their, their overlaps and where are their gaps. 
Um, so it's something that I've been uh, thinking about for a while. And, and then sort of the other piece that often uh, comes into my work uh, is the climate side. My sort of personal research is on the UN climate negotiations. And uh, I've been writing climate fiction in one way or another uh, for a few years. You know, you can sort of argue that all science fiction should be climate fiction, which I think is a good <laughs> argument. Um, but uh, I think that, that you know there there are things to be gained from uh, from taking the the sort of climate fiction uh, orientation to social change. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to no, uh, that's, add in that's, there. That's right. good. I mean, so so. Uh, your story, which is called the chaperone, um, and I think you sort of described it. You know, it, it's based. You know, it fits with your description of what you uh, write about. It, but one of the descriptions you sort of presented about that story is effectively, if you imagine the movie Her, uh, but with more climate change. <laughs> yeah, more climate change, more capitalism, more political upheaval. Uh, I mean, that that I love that movie, right? But it it does really lack any kind of uh, broader economic context, right? Nobody ever seems to pay for anything. Nobody seems to be struggling. The, you know, the receptionist at the uh, weird Hallmark company the guy works at, it seems to be just as well off as anyone else, right? Um, and you never see into the workings or the business model of the company that actually provides Siri Johansson to Joaquin Phoenix, right? Right. Um, and I, I, you know, this is something other people have commented on. I found it very interesting, and and uh, it sort of stuck with me for a while. I started trying to um, trying to figure out, you know, what it would look like if, when, uh, you know, we actually produce these types of uh, voice in your ear personal assistants uh, that one could develop that kind of weird parasocial relationship with and uh, and who are the people that are going to have to sort of manage it when it gets messy, right? <laughs> um, who's going to have to deal with, with Joaquin Phoenix's, like, breakdown over uh, Samantha or whatever? Um, and, you know, I was a lot inspired by the stories that you read and the, the reporting about the people who are sort of on the, the content moderation beat for yep. companies like Facebook. Uh, you know, the, there's here in Phoenix, there's a giant warehouse full of folks who just sit there all day uh, reviewing and taking down like the snuff videos, the porn, you know, the, the, you know, graphic violence, the, some of the, some, but definitely not all of like the horrible racist Nazi stuff. Uh, that people post on Facebook, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's actually like a really miserable <laughs> job that <laughs> we, it's not clear that we're going to be able to automate away. So uh, that's definitely uh, a part of the future of, of our work if we plan to have a, a future with these really complex digital systems. Yeah, no, and, and I thought it was a really interesting story and I thought it was, it was, um, it was well plotted and sort of well laid out and, and right. I mean, you're sort of following um, the story of, of someone who is in that, that job of sort of 
chaperoning, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and helping people deal with, you know, when they get sort of too attached to a, to an AI personality that is talking to them in their, in their ear, but then also gets more involved in, in the company and, and gets sort of a, a deeper look at how the company functions, the, the company that produces the, those AIs and, and sort of what that all means and, and yet takes place in this, this world where, uh, climate change is having an impact, and and uh, I, I guess you could say capitalism is having an impact. I don't. Know. It, it was <laughs> there was there were a whole bunch of different uh, economic elements to that to the story uh, that that all make it very compelling and show you know how different people live differently in this world, which I, which I thought was was very compelling as well. Yeah, it uh, you know for me it kind of takes place amidst a. A, a very possible political upheaval where, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've elected a government that's willing to do something about capitalism and, and that, you know, from a, an explicitly socialist perspective. But of course, you know, they, they get their hands on some of the reins, but, but they're not going to get their hands on all the reins. So um, steering that, that ship away from the, the death trap that, uh, you know, we're, we're currently living in is is really is really difficult and and it's going to be piecemeal right and yep. so you know the the revolution may be here but it's not going to be fully distributed yet um yeah and and but you know what i what i wanted to show was that the uh, i guess what's possible and the calculations that workers might make about whether they want to do work that is abusive to them, that they feel crappy about, that they don't feel morally uh, okay with, those calculations change a lot when you change their, their material conditions, right? When, when yeah. they have Medicare instead of, you know, having to fight with a private health insurance company, when there's public housing uh, that will keep them off the streets, right? Um, yep. So, you know, if, if, if you are sort of like on Jan's, the, the protagonist's side and think that like, oh, this is sort of sketchy and unfortunate the way that the giant tech company is uh, getting people to kind of like be really attached to these AIs and like use that as a way to, to sell them stuff they don't need. Um, well, then, then, you know, you shouldn't just want her to, to go blow the whistle. You should also want society to be you know, constructed in a way that empowers her to do so. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting, and I and I had said this in one of the write-ups that I did on Tech Turd about some of the stories in the book, and I think it's true of most of the stories, and certainly true of yours, is that you sort of come out of a lot of these stories very conflicted, and and I think that's that is part of what makes them feel very accurate, right? You know, they're um, they're not necessarily that clean, and and you don't, you know feel about most characters you don't feel sort of strongly good or bad about any anyone <laughs> you know there, there's everything is conflicted right there are good elements and bad elements to, to everything and that was definitely true in your story as well um, where you could have very mixed emotions about about certainly about the protagonist and then about many of the other characters as well um, which, which i thought was was really really great and really well done um, so, uh, Natalka, let's move on to you. Um, and I will say uh, up front that you were, I think, if I remember correctly, really the only author out of everyone 
who submitted, who spent a lot of time actually bouncing ideas back and forth with me, which yeah. was actually fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I love that. I would love for every editor to work with me like that because when I started out, the idea I had was pretty different from what I wound up with. Like I had some extra characters and you really helped me sort of focus in on the working features aspect of the story. So that was great. Oh, cool. Well, that's, that's good to know. But it was, that was a, a fun process to sort of see how you develop that story. Um, but do you want to start by just giving a little bit of background about, about who you are? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Natalka Rorschach, and I write as NRM Rorschach. And I've got a pretty good technology background. I've been a database programmer, data analyst, database administrator, and I spent some time as a bug hunter for the world's most used database code. So I'm very interested in how technology shapes the working world, both in the anticipated way, the way it's sort of supposed to, but also in terms of the unintended consequences, right? The side effects yep. or the bugs, because I've seen both of those in my tech career. So I heard about this anthology from a fellow author and kind of jumped right on it and emailed you. Yeah. And rating-wise, I mostly write short stories. Uh, I've had short stories in various places like on spec, daily science fiction, future science fiction digest, and I've got another one coming out in December in the Young Explorers Adventure Guide. It cool. doesn't have any working features in it. It's got uh, <laughs> robots, so that's that's a different kind of fun. My yeah. story working features has no no robots at all. It's got a, a social credit system that's fed by machine learning emotional analysis. Yeah, and and your story for people is is called the auditor and the exorcist, um, and um, do you want to talk a little bit about your thinking in in terms of developing that and putting that story together? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this, and like you said, working with you during the process. So I was looking at the scenarios that you guys developed for the working futures, and I saw that one of them was a pretty good match for a story idea I'd been kicking around. And then we were able to work together to really sort of bring bring out the working futures aspect of it. So in the Auditor and the Exorcist, there's an AI that monitors interactions between people and sort of all the cameras you have scattered around your house and your apartment and feeds it into a privatized pervasive social credit system. And its job is to ding your social credit for being a jerk, basically. So it reviews all of your interactions for their emotional content and it gives or takes away your points. But the problem in the story is there are all kinds of edge cases here, right? And they depend on two things mm -hmm. that are particularly difficult for machine learning, context and sort of the subtleties of human interaction. So one thing that we've seen in machine learning that we see in facial recognition and Facebook's algorithms and so on is they can fail in weird ways on cases <laughs> that were covered in their training and they can have a really hard time with subtleties, right? Yep. So, for example, Facebook's algorithms for figuring out what's okay to post and what's not, they have such a hard time figuring out those edge cases that they have a whole army of content reviewers that go through all the terrible stuff every day. So despite all of the training they've put into it, all of the money and all of the man hours, there are these big gaps that need people to do the work of patching them. And that's what the main character in the story is stuck doing. She's got this terrible job going through all of the arguments that the AI can't figure out. Right? So things like, suppose you have two people holding paper and shouting at each other. Right? Are they having an argument over a legal document or are they practicing lines through a play? That's context. That's right. very hard for the AI to figure out. Or someone takes a ring from your hand and you start crying. Did they steal the ring? Or <laughs> are you crying because they just accepted your proposal? Right? right. <laughs> That's really hard to train an AI. So 
there is a lot of hard stuff and a lot of it is going to be ugly. That puts the content reviewers in an interesting position because in an ideal situation, you want the content reviewer's feedback to be part of training the AI, right? So if all of Facebook's content reviews are saying beheadings are bad, stop showing these beheading videos, then eventually the AI might be trained to stop showing beheadings. But it's hard because the algorithm doesn't know what a head is, right? So it takes <laughs> a lot of training. And the right. content reviewers are those trainers for the AI. So in the story, the main character gets to her win condition by leveraging her position as a content reviewer. So she and her colleagues are effectively training the AI or helping train it to recognize a new kind of antisocial behavior, a particular kind of bullying that wasn't even on the horizon for the people who originally trained the AI on its base data set. And what I like about that is that just like we see with current real-world AI, the biases of the trainers and the biases of the training data set come right on the algorithm. If you don't yeah. think of it, then it's just not going to be there, even if you can recognize it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that is sort of, you know, it's interesting uh, because both, you know, Andrew made the point about uh, content moderation being part, mm. of, part of the inspiration for his story and, and for <laughs> your story too, and yet they're two very, very different stories. But it's interesting how much, like, content moderation, I've, I've, joked in the past that like uh given how many like and and how many demands there are for the, these companies to do more content moderation and how many people they're hiring that the future of work right. is just going to be we're all going to be moderating each other's content <laughs> oh no that would be the last job i would want to do though right like those jobs yeah. at facebook they're not even hired directly through facebook facebook kind of doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole they're through i think accenture and they have mandatory counseling and then there's pressure on the counselors to share the private information yeah. that they got in their account and it's just it seems like a really tough really ugly job and if that's the yeah. future of work then i i, I kind of want to I want to see what you can do about universal benefits, so nobody has to do that anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny. They, I mean, Facebook actually contract, contracts it out to a bunch of different companies, and one of them, which had received a lot of criticism for doing a horrible job and treating their employees terribly, just announced that they're getting out of that business entirely. <laughs> so, too. <laughs> so you're you're not the only one who doesn't want to doesn't want to be doing it. Um, but but um, you know, but your story, you know, that's that's sort of the 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 framework. For for your story and then your story goes you know focuses in on, on one of these people and and sort of uh you know one the, the sort of issues in in her life that that she's dealing with but then also um she gets into a, a bit of a situation i think is the best way to put it mm -hmm. um and and you know as you said sort of you begin to explore areas around like you know how buggy technology is and and um as well as the whole concept of of the internet of things which is now very popular mm -hmm. and everything is connected and and you know part of that's your story is right that the um you know the social credit score is based on on the internet of things spying on you at all <laughs> times and monitoring how nice you are to other people which is which is a little bit uh you know scary <laughs> a little creepy yeah yeah yeah, cre creepy is definitely the right word for it, uh, and and um, you know, but that is to some extent right. I mean, that's kind of what's happening to to some extent in China right now, and and mm -hmm. potentially certainly has the potential to expand outward in in different ways, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and and you know, but in in your story, the uh, 
the the Internet of Things sort of uh, begins to attack your protagonist. I think is the <laughs> the best way to describe it. And then you sort of go through the process of what happens there and how do you deal with, um, you know, you, you know. I, I mean, it's it comes from 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 the name of your story, the the uh, auditor and the exorcist. Uh, you decide whether or not you need to have a an exorcism to to rid your Internet of Things of whatever is plaguing it. Uh, which right. Would, becomes a lot of fun and, and is a very interesting premise that, that, that I think works really well and sort of demonstrating a whole bunch of different aspects about the future of work and, and what happens with insecure technology and um, what kind of world that can lead to. Well, I don't want to spoiler the story in case this podcast tempts anyone to go back and read it, but I feel like one of the things that I really had to sell you on when we were emailing back and forth is that the future of work also includes the illegal jobs and the wrong things you're not supposed to do and how people will exploit the system to make a profit off it. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't necessarily that you had to sell me on that because (laughs) I, I, I believe that's true, right? I believe that, Mm -hmm. that you will have sort of, you know, you know, either illegal or black market or however you want to put it, jobs that are, um, you know, less respectable than others. Let's put it that way. Um, And I I believe that very much. I, I think where I had, um, where part of our discussion was about what what that said about other jobs that were you know mm-hmm. above board, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see how the story might might uh, play out uh, on that side of it as well, and sort of mix and match those things, not to hide it because mm. you know, the the uh, the illegal jobs uh, in your story uh, still becomes a, is is still a key plot point uh, and what you know sort of holds the entire story together um, but it it also highlights some of the other jobs and other work that that is created by this uh, by this setup which i th- i thought was really great you know, and i'm really glad you did because it's a much stronger story with more focus on the legal aspect of it and the you know the main character's job gets a little more foregrounded and it made it a lot more fun in the end so that worked yeah. really well. Yeah. Cool. Well, it, it was it was fun to to bounce the ideas back and forth with you, and I think the story came out great. And uh, I was excited; everybody really liked it, and so it you know the judges thought it was it was it was a great story, and so uh, it was good. So uh, very cool. Uh, and now, Randy, uh, let's move on to you. And um, uh, I was going to say you're a bit of a, a ringer, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> listeners of the podcast. Well, regular listeners of the podcast should hopefully recognize Randy because you've been on the podcast before, uh, talking about using games to tell stories and also about the CIA card game that we released together on Kickstarter last year. Uh, And Randy, you also helped us design the Working Futures Scenario Planning card deck uh, and the game and the process for the scenario planning. And you were at the event in San Francisco as well, where we did the scenario planning. So, um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that experience, about helping to put together the the scenario planning uh, before we get to your story as well? Sure, I can say a little bit more to that. I mean, you when I uh, when you asked me to join the team and, and help with the game, I think you had already done a bunch of the work in terms of uh, the survey that had gone out to the different yep. experts in the audience. But uh, I I was really thinking from the game designer hat, how do we provide the most scaffolding to the participants to come up with? really interesting and specific uh, ideas, examples, anecdotes. So uh, I know one of the things we discussed a bunch was, okay, how do, how do we really focus it and come up with examples that, that don't feel generic, that will stay with people? And so we had players 
um, come up with headlines. We had them uh, talk about, okay, what are the big IPOs or interesting startups this year? What are the some of the international conflicts that might emerge in the different scenarios? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really enjoyed exploring that um, with you and then seeing it work in person because it's as soon as people get specific that you know they get this next wave of ideas uh, that get beyond some of the, the more obvious intersections of some of the trends. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the really useful tool was just the idea of like, what are, you know, we we have this deck of cards that has all these sort of driving trends and forces and stuff. And you we have a couple different processes for figuring out like which cards you're using in which which situation to sort of build out scenarios and sort of see what happens. And, you know, some of the scenarios work and some of them don't. But the, the thing that I thought was really, really useful was this, this you know, fairly simple idea of like, what are five newspaper headlines? We shouldn't say newspaper because newspapers probably don't exist in this future. <laughs> but like, what, what are five news headlines that exist in this world? And it's such a, it was such a, a useful tool for thinking about these things. And and in all the scenarios that in that packet of scenarios, which is available, people can download it. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to see what scenarios came out of it, there those are downloadable from the the Working Futures. Dot .es whatever I, you'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can download this the 10 scenarios that we came up with and you'll see in each of them there's there's like five headlines that would exist in this world and it was such a a useful tool for framing like what does this world look like you begin to think through like what are the big news stories that are happening. Um, and I thought that was that was that was super handy and super useful and was as you said sort of really good scaffolding for for really being able to visualize these scenarios. Um, so let's talk about your story as well, which um, was uh, Joan Henry versus the algorithm. Um, and hopefully some people recognize what that's a reference to. But do you want to you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, I can give some quick background. And also I should say this is my first published short story. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. And, uh, sure. I've written bits of uh, short fiction in the past, nothing published. And most of my published work has been in the game design space. So about, okay, how do we set up rules that help other people tell interesting stories? Um, but this was a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, based on the story of John Henry versus the steam engine, which is a, a classic, uh, folk tale, American folk tale, um, about, uh, industrialization and automation. And in this case, it's about a, um, a railroad worker. There are a bunch of different variants of this, but, uh, uh in, the, in the simplest form, it's a railroad worker who, um, is working on one of the early, uh, rail lines. There's a, a steam engine, which will, uh, I believe pound in the spikes really efficiently and quickly. And so everyone's in jeopardy of losing their jobs, but they structure a competition to see sort of who can who can go the the longest and fastest. Is it is it John Henry, this amazing worker, or uh, the steam engine uh, in terms of completing this section of of the rail line? And that story ends with um, the steam engine, I believe, exploding or breaking down, uh, but at the end of a very very long sort of marathon session. And so John Henry wins, but ends up collapsing and and dying. So it's a uh, a tragic victory um, that isn't really a victory. Uh, and, and, uh, so, th- you know, immediately when we were talking about the, the working, working futures and a lot of the different scenarios, and, and as you've mentioned a bunch, the, there's this tension of like, okay, you know, how much are jobs going to be automated away versus creating new jobs? And how does that race play out? Um, I, I immediately thought of the John Henry story as just perfect analogy, uh, and knew it was something I wanted to echo at least a little bit. So that was one of the main, um, main inspirations. But then around that, I knew I wanted to explore a lot of nuances in terms of specific possible future scenarios. So um, at the core of the story, there is this race. In, in this case, it's uh, Joan Henry. And um, 
she's competing against an algorithm in uh, in her workplace, and uh, and baked into to her backstory is she's someone who is constantly reskilling and retraining trying and trying to stay ahead of all the various forms of automation that are rendering her previous jobs obsolete. And uh, so this is, she's, she's a bit exhausted. She thought this new gig would uh, give her a little bit more time before having to, to retrain yet again. But uh, as ever, the algorithm is close on her heels. Uh, in, in particular, this gig um, I had a lot of fun with, uh, coming up with the world building around, okay, what is this company and, and what is her job? So she works at a, a company that provides these really amazing interactive uh, in-depth storytelling experiences. And I'm a little bit vague on what the technology implementation is. You know, it could be VR, it could just be screen-based, but it's heavily inspired by a few things. So inspired by the, the broader rise of interactive storytelling, which we've talked about here on the show, uh, and, um, and you keep hearing more stories about uh, paid uh, facilitators for Dungeons & Dragons that you can you know, go and pay somebody to run a game for you. Um, it's also uh, inspired by a series of really cool experiments around uh, the um, interactive storytelling through digital mediation. Uh, I've been advising a startup uh, called Escape Character uh, that just won an award for their show Aluminum Cat at uh, Indiecade for Best New Interactive Experience, where you have a, a paid actor who's creating an, a live experience that's interactive through the browser. Uh, and so I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting frontier of, of storytelling, and oftentimes I think people talk about um, uh, storytelling and acting as one of the, the hardest things that it'll take uh, algorithms to, to recreate. So I knew I wanted to pull in a lot of that. So Joan is one of these uh, top maestros, uh, as what I call them in the in the book, or in the, in the short story, um, in that she, she is facilitating this, she's playing all the characters, she's um, manipulating the world around the uh, paying customer, around the, the player uh, or players, to create the most compelling experience, and she also has a wealth of data and information on them in terms of their, their personal preferences, decisions they've made in the past, th- things that might resonate them based on their life, um, and all that. So, like, so, so one main leg of the story is just um, this job and how she's racing against an algorithm that's threatening to do a better job of creating these incredible interactive stories uh, than, than a human might. Um, but then the, the other main pillars of it, and this is where it really starts differing from the John Henry story, is if she really needs to keep racing against the algorithm again and again, uh, in that uh, it's, a, it's a world where there's at least some degree of basic income, and she lives in a housing co-op where uh, almost everyone else there doesn't have a job and isn't getting income, but because uh, of who she is, Joan feels like she's not willing to give up the extra bit of autonomy and uh, a bit of, of like safety measure and fallback, and like so much of her identity is wrapped around being able to to bring in her own income and uh, and keep some of the flexibility that that might entail. That um, she's pushing herself really, really hard to. Uh, win in this specific case against the algorithm, but more generally not be sort of relegated to, to as she sees it, just the folks who have dropped out of uh, economic life and are, are merely involved in the community. But at the same time, every every scene with her roommates shows this really warm, lovely, supportive community. They're involved in amazing creative endeavors and um, very very much are, are not worse off for not engaging in the economic context. So I really wanted to, to play with that um, but some some of those tensions there of you know why is she continuing to 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 push through and fight against the algorithm? How does society uh, adapt given given that a lot of jobs are quickly being automated away and uh, and similar themes? Yeah, no, and it, it was it, it was good, and we you and I had some discussions about this story as well and sort of where it was going, and I think it it came out great and, and really demonstrates a very you know sort of well, you know, mostly realistic world uh, that that could potentially happen and, and discusses some, some different possible jobs. I mean, the whole concept of, you know, the maestro I thought was really interesting and, and well laid out and and, 
and, and well described. Uh, so I thought that was great. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about one of my stories in the, in the last podcast with the other ones I talked about one, I have two stories in the book and I'll talk about the, the other one just to, just to throw in some context there. And it kind of fits with all these things that we were discussing. And so, um, the, the other story that I had came from sort of an intersection of two things that I was thinking about as well and sort of fit with, with some of the scenarios that came out of, um, the scenario planning and it involved, um, one was I've I've written a whole bunch on this question of you know around the content moderation question how companies deal with it and whether or not they have to hire you know a million people to do all of this um, if it would be better to sort of push the power away from the central companies out to the edges of the network and I talk about this concept of protocols instead of platforms so I wanted to sort of play around with that idea but then the the more interesting element of it was. Um, I had begun to realize that like anything I ever needed to do around the house in terms of housework, um, uh, I immediately turned to YouTube and there would be like multiple dozens of videos explaining every possible thing that you could do. You could, you know, uh, how to, you know, install this, change this, fix that, whatever it might be. I, um, you know, a, a few months ago, uh, rebuilt a carburetor, um, which was entirely based on on a bunch of YouTube videos that walked me through every bit of it, which I thought was kind of amazing because I had never thought in my life I would rebuild a carburetor. And I began to think about like that economy and the idea of, you know, this sort of do-it-yourself uh, world where people are effectively building businesses on teaching other people how to do stuff. And so what would that world look like? And so... Um, that that story is called the Knoll Edge Economy, and which sort of you know a bad play on knowledge, but uh, um, and and just try to explore those ideas and what that world might look like, uh, and and also what happens when certain aspects of that world might break down or work well, and, and where the balances are. And so it's interesting that a lot of these discussions sort of tied into, or these stories sort of tied into the content moderation question, um, which certainly is a big one, even if we all don't hopefully have to become content moderators. So um, so that was, that was my other story. So with that, I, I, I want to open up the discussion a little bit just among um, all four of us and, and sort of talk about this overall experience. And so, and some of this is just feedback for me uh, in, in putting this together. This is the first time we've done a project quite like this. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, uh, Randy, I know I've spoken to you a lot about this, but, but to Natalka and Andrew, um, you know, what was your experience like overall in terms of being a part of this process? So you already mentioned that I had emailed you back and forth, and that was the most yes. unique part of the process for me, is that you invited querying. And most anthologies just say, send us your story. So I really relished the opportunity to work with you. And obviously, the other part that was unique was the cards that you and, and Randy and a bunch of other people put together. I've kept those, and I've actually recommended them to people who are thinking about the future. Like, hey, this the anthology is over, but these cards are really neat. They've done a bunch of thinking, and this is a cool thing to look at when you're thinking about what your future world will be like. So, that's a really cool resource. Yeah, yeah, no, we're and we're we're hoping. You know, we we made, you know, the obviously we we made the scenarios 
you know, available for people to download and the and the cards if people want to develop their own scenarios we, we've made those available as well so you know we, we actually do think it's a kind of a useful tool um, you know they're a little bit directed towards the future of work but I, I actually think you could use them for all sorts of kind of future world building um, if, if if people want um, so cool yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the cards, the scenario packet. I think it's really interesting, though I, I'll admit that the story was already written by the time <laughs> I, I heard of your project, and um, I had sort of been trying to find the right home for it. I'm very glad that it found a home here, because I think the, uh, you know, the, this discussion has already showed that there's a, a great deal of, uh, uh, you know, overlapping approaches and, and ideas in the stories that got included. I love that the book is full of uh, stories that, that kind of jump off of like the blank job title, right? right. Uh, the chaperone, the exorcist, the mummer, the maestro. Um, I, I think that's very, that, that like adds a lot of uh, cool sort of thematic continuity and, and so it, it feels like the right project. But, you know, the... Um, the cards are, I, I think, a super interesting document and definitely the type of thing that uh, I've been seeing a lot more around this space, though maybe not uh, more sophisticated than I usually see it. Right. Interesting. Uh, that, that's that's good to hear. And you weren't the only one who had a, a, a story pre-written. <laughs> um, there were a few others who were just like, well, I kind of wrote this before, but I think it sort of fits with the scenario. So is this okay? And, you know, then they were good. And, and you know, we even had a few of the the authors whose, whose stories didn't make the cut, um, though many were really good. We had, I, we were actually really sort of blown away. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I would argue out of all the submissions we got, there was, there was, you know, maybe one or two that we were just like, yeah, this one, not so good, but like almost all of them were, were really, really top notch. I mean, the, the, um, people put a lot of effort into them and, you know, we heard from even some of the authors who, who didn't make the cut. They were just like, well, you know, I'm still going to use this, <laughs> this, these scenarios to, to, to frame a bunch of my other stories, if that's okay, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, absolutely, that's great. Make make as much use of it as you as you want." Um, you know, we we sort of put it out there because we want people to use it. And we want people thinking about these things. Um, and you know, part of what was what I was really happy with um, was how different all of the stories were. Like, I don't think there are any stories in the collection that are really like very very similar to each other, and they each took very very different approaches, but they each sort of you know, do highlight some aspect about the future of work, which is, you know, which is what the goal was. And I, I think I was a little afraid that when we started the project, that what happens if all of the, the stories are effectively the same? What if everybody sort of has the same idea? Though I, in some sense, maybe that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, it might not make an interesting book, but it might be an interesting statement on wh where everybody thinks the future is going. But that's not what happened, right? We had so many different stories and so many different approaches. And even in cases where, you know, there were similar inspirations, like these ideas around content moderation or these ideas around automation, which were, you know, very, very consistent throughout the, throughout many of the submissions, not all, but many of them. Um, even the approaches that were taken in each of them came out very, very different and, and uh, really, really sort of thought provoking in, in all different ways, which is why we're, we're, we're like, we're really happy. I mean, the, the the book came out a lot better 
than than even we had hoped for. And we, we certainly hoped it was going to be good. We didn't go into it thinking we were going to publish something bad. Um, but, you know, we were super, super excited with, with all the stories. And especially, you know, the, the three of your stories were, were among those uh, that we thought were really wonderful and really fit well within the book. And so, um, you know, I, I, thanks so much for, for taking part in this process. It was it was a lot of fun and and something you know we're we're hopeful that maybe we'll we'll try and explore again at some point. It was it was a lot of work, so so I don't know when we might do this again, but um, it it was definitely worth it. Um, and so, uh, unless anyone has any anything else to say, I might just wrap up this podcast. Anyone have any final thoughts on on this whole thing? All right, you're gonna leave me hanging. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for organizing this and creating this opportunity for us to, to create some really fun fiction around a great topic. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was a ton of fun. Thank you. Sure. Sure. No, no problem. Thank you for, for taking part and participating. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Cool. Um, and so um, we'll have links and, and other stuff uh, up uh, on the description with this podcast. So you can find about uh, other things that, that, uh, all three of you have done. Um, and again, if you haven't yet checked out the Working Futures book, go to Amazon, search for it, find it, or go to the Working Futures uh, page. I've already explained how to find that. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, and uh, if you're listening, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. And please share the podcast and let other people know about it. And we'll be back next week. Someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the